Awesome. Hey, Gun Oceans. Um, now, I've got a bit of a challenge. Now, I hope it's not too hard for you guys. But we, who enjoyed that song that we sang? Um, shake down, or shake up, what is, what's the Shake up the ground of all my traditions, break down the walls of all my religion, right? Sometimes I feel like, sometimes we get stuck in our traditions. So what I want you to do is, if you can, there's some people who can't, I want you to stand up and take the seat in front of you. I think I'm a little bit echoey. (laughs) Cheeky, David. If you can, I really encourage you. Yeah, that's it. Give him a round of applause, yeah. Oh, yes, I love it. Come on, let's go. Awesome. And if you're now sitting next to somebody new, say hi. <laughs> so as Jaden said, my name is Jake Evanson and I lead all of our production here at Oceans Perth. Um, and, I, and with Flick, uh, my beautiful wife, we lead dinner parties here as well. So again, if you're not in the dinner party, come see us. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, so um, I promise I won't talk to you like kids. All right. I don't have a tendency to do that, but just in case, I'll say that now. Um, I love my job. I get to open a brand new school this year, which is really, really cool. Um, And just like I mentioned before, I just have to say, guys, worshipping today was just phenomenal. Gemma, you led the team amazingly. Um, And I really feel like that particular worship session was just something of breakthrough. Um, Your song choices and everything, it was just so powerful. And I really, yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, it has been a, an amazing week, um, and it did culminate in all the leaders of Oceans Perth and Oceans Albany meeting together in Oceans Albany, and Flick and I have officially done what we call the double. We've done the service in Albany and the service in Perth. Woo! Big achievement. It's only taken us nine months. Um, and, but it was just an awesome time of just bonding together and you know building one, uh, building one another up in uh, Christ and yeah, it was so good just to be with family, you know, because that's really what Oceans is. Um, over the past three weeks, we have been in our Resolve series. Yeah, there we go. And we've had the privilege of hearing some amazing speakers inspiring us into 2022. We had Pastor Schaefer, and thank you so much, Pastor Schaefer, for giving me the opportunity to speak uh, this evening. Um, and his message about repentance and forgiveness, I thought, was probably one of the best I've heard. Uh, week two saw Josh Colback on camera today and Kelsey Pinelli speak about the power of the Holy Spirit. And just last week, Flick and Dan Pinelli spoke about being hungry for the Word of God. I want to refocus us, though, because this is what we're going to do every week until this uh, series is finished, on the scripture for this series. And it comes from Jeremiah 6, verse 16. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Travel its path and you will find rest, rest for your souls. See, God, give a bit of context. God had given this advice to the Israelites of the Old Testament, but they chose not to listen. How dumb can you be? The purpose of this series is to listen to godly wisdom, to um, build new habits and follow um, different ways, the ancient paths, so that we can have rest in Jesus. We are resolving to start our year on a different note than we usually do, okay? We, because really, the reality is we should be striving every single day to build a greater relationship with Jesus, okay? Because we can't be stale, we can't just sit and 
just do the same thing day in, day out. And that's why I got you to stand up out of your chair and move forward. Because, you know, sometimes we need a bit of a shake-up. You know, we can't do the same thing. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about a message I've called a call to worship. Okay? Before we get started, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you that we can come together as a church. We thank you, Lord, that um, you have blessed us in this place uh, with the worship and with what people are going to hear today. We ask that you would just uh, prepare our hearts for what we're going to hear um, and that your word would not return void. In the name of Jesus, everyone said? Awesome. So, worship. It's a broad topic and sometimes I don't feel like I'm the right person to talk about this, but... It could be covered in a multitude of ways. We can talk about worship as in serving, giving, using our gifts. But today, I'm going to speak specifically around a call to worship because so many times in the Bible, there was calls to worship put out there. Um, And the definition of worship, just to give us background, is to give reverent honour and homage to God. The Bible talks about it quite a bit. So here's a couple of scriptures that I want to share just before I really launch into it. These ones are from the New Testament. So the first one is Colossians 3, verse 16. And it says this, Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And the second one being Hebrews 13, 15. I literally had had like six lined up here, guys. I had to cut them all out. Really annoying. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. See, I always always remember as a teenager, I used to love going to my youth ministry. And my youth ministry was in Girraween. That's right, it was in the ghetto. And it was called, wait for this, Godzilla. I don't know who... If. If you were in that youth ministry from way back then and you've seen this, guys, I love you, but that was a, that was a terrible name. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I always, <laughs> I always remember going to either youth nights or going to, like, Youth Alive events, like Adrenaline and Easter Camp and things like that. And I can so clearly remember this journey that I went on for worship and discovering how to worship for myself. You know, I, who was I going to give my praise and adoration to? That was a really important question I had to learn. And even though I had grown up in a Christian home, I'd learned, I'd heard all the right things to do and say, it was going to be up to me about how I chose to worship my king. I always remember there was one night in youth. Now, to give you a bit of context, my youth ministry was like this. There was about 30 guys and girls. And I don't know why, but for some reason, around the 2005 period, all the teenagers seemed, in this area at least, to be dressed like emo kids with like the baggy uh, like jeans and the skateboards and like the dark eyeliner, even the dudes. And I was just this skinny little white kid <laughs> standing in the midst of them. And, you know, the worship team would get up and, you know, I, we had our youth pastor jump on electric guitar and he would say, come on, guys, let's all come down to the front and, you know, create a mosh pit and everyone's getting sweaty and everything. And it was at this moment that I was like, I so wanted to seek God and seek his face that I resolved in my heart to not lower my hands for all of worship. And for, for a kid, like, this seemed like a big thing. It might not seem like a big thing now, but I just remember going, okay, I'm going to hold my hands here. Yeah, I'm just going to do it. And I remember my 
arms were aching by the final song. <laughs> I'm like, come on, God, give me strength. I can do this. Uh, hold them up a little bit longer. And then I was so relieved when, you know, our youth pastor said, oh, okay, cool, we're going to have the message now. I'm like, oh, oh, what a relief. But, you know, I was so passionate about worshipping him that I did keep them there the whole time. And so today I wanted to take two snippets of two different but well-known psalms and draw some practical aspects to apply to our lives. In fact, I'm actually going to give you my, first, my two points before I even tell you the scripture because I want them to start to sink in your heart now. So the first one is the position of your heart matters. Now, I forgot to give them the matters. I'm sorry, Brie. Um, and then the second point is your position affects your focus our position affects our focus. In Psalm 100, it says this. Shout joyfully <laughs> to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. Yeah, sorry, I didn't give you this either, Bray. I added it on afterwards. I know, bad production manager, my bad. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves and we his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now you can put this bit up, Ray. Enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, bless and praise his name. The next verse says, for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. You know, Psalms is so packed. You can find pretty much any topic, whether it's anger, sadness, rejoicing, everything is packed into Psalms. And so I'm going to draw this point. The position of our heart matters from this uh, little passage of Scripture here. It says in verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. See, back in the Old Testament, when they had the whole um, temple laid out, the first point of entry into the temple were the gates. Okay, so this is a visual representation of what God wants us to do, what the psalmist was telling us to do. When they entered his gates, enter it with thanksgiving. For the Israelites, uh, sorry, um, but why? Why do we need to do this? Are we not thankful for what God has done in our lives? What are we thankful for? Our lives, our family, our friends, our jobs, all these different things. The very fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save you from sin and death and eternal separation from God. I love the um, imagery that when Jesus died, the curtain was torn. You know, and that provided access to the Holy of Holies to meet with God personally. Because in the next, and the next uh, section of that verse, it says, and his courts with praise. If we, sorry, Brie, if we could have that back up. Awesome. And his courts with praise. So it's a twofold approach to entering into the temple. And so if you can think about your own um, position of your heart when you walk into church, is it one of thanksgiving? Is it one of praise? You know, back in verse 1 of this psalm, it says, make a joyful now or uh, joyful noise or shout joyfully. The direct translation from the Hebrew word is hariu. Everyone say hariu. I know it sounded a little bit Japanese when I sounded it, but, but that literally means shout. Yeah. 
it doesn't mean whisper. It doesn't mean, oh, yeah, God's good. You know, doing this is appropriate because of what God has done and us displaying our gratitude for God. You know, last night I was down in Albany and we were, uh, Flick was cooking up a storm um, and the Scorchers were playing. Now, I love my sport and I get really passionate and really, like, involved in it. And so I'm Flick saying, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm, yeah, yeah, no worries. Oh, hang on, just let me watch this ball. And as this ball was bowled, someone got out. And I literally shouted at the top of my lungs, yes! And Flick jumped quite literally and she's like Jake what are you doing you can't do that to me you scared me but you know I shouted because I was passionate I shout in church because I'm passionate for what God has done in my life verse 5 it gives us the reason so perfectly perfectly stated it says for the Lord is good His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. I don't know about you, but Flick and I have been having a lot of conversations over the past couple of weeks and even the last two years about how much uncertainty there's been, how much um, fear that has controlled and how much anxiety decisions have caused. But in our family, we've resolved to continue to worship God because of this verse. The Lord is good. Last time I checked, the Lord doesn't change, you know. So the Lord is good because he is merciful. His loving kindness doesn't end. And he has proven himself to be faithful to the very end throughout the generations. Now, I'm a kid of the 90s, okay. And when I was in the uh, the church in the 90s and even like the early 2000s, and to be honest, it probably was further back, but I, don't, I wasn't born then. But there, were, there used to be this phrase that was a call and response. And I wonder if you can help me out here, because I'm hoping you can. It went like this. God is good. All the time. And all the time. And I don't know why I went American just then, but yeah, it just came out. So, <laughs> so this is not just a catchphrase. But it was an understanding that helped the church at the time position their hearts with ones of thanksgiving and praise. When we position our hearts to worship, we take the focus off of ourselves and onto the King of Kings whose faithfulness endures to all generations. It was good for Abraham. It was good for Isaac and Jacob, David and Solomon. It's good for my dad and his, his dad and it's good for me. So often the situations in our lives take the focus when in reality there's a God who's there waiting for us to worship him and have that relationship. But laying those things at the feet of him, you know, our hurts, our pains, our situations that we just cannot understand, he's waiting for you to come to him, to sit at the foot of the cross and just go, Jesus, I give it to you now. I'm positioning my heart in this call to worship. When you come to church, and our worship team, or Abe actually kind of did it before, and they go, all right, guys, come on, we're going to worship. Think about the position of your heart at that moment and how you respond. Because, I mean, our worship team does a phenomenal job, but I'm sure they don't want to go, come on, church, let's worship him together, for you to go, okay, praise Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
you know. And this is, this is actually going to lead into my second uh, point, because your position affects your focus, and the reason why I've got it in brackets is because there's that, like, I don't know, there's a tandem effect. Our position affects our focus. It, there was an experiment done by National Geographic called The Waiting Room, and I loved this. If you've seen this, you know what it's about. Essentially, there's a waiting room full of actors who know what the experiment's about. And the rule is, every time there's a beep, everyone has to stand up and sit down. And so they first introduce one person into this room. And so she sits down, and the beep goes off, and the, the actors all stand up and sit down. And she looks around going, what's going on? What are you doing? After a couple of times she realises, oh, well, there's a rule here. When the beep goes, I need to stand up and sit down. Don't know what she was thinking in her head, but this became the norm. And one by one, the actors were removed until it was just her on her own, where the beep went off and she stood up and sat down. Now, this can kind of be like in our worship because you actually have the power to influence people, those around you, to help them position their hearts and themselves physically as well to focus on God. In Psalm 149, verses 1 to 3, it says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and praise Him in the congregation of His godly ones. Brackets, believers. Verse 2, Let Israel rejoice in their Maker, let Zion's children rejoice in their King. And verse 3 says, Let them praise Him with dancing, let them sing praises to Him with the tambourine and the lyre. So let's break it down. I love that, Dave. Are you going to bust out a liar? Like, I'll pay for that. Um, (laughs) What did the biblical author want us to know? I believe that one of the first things, and it's in verse 1, it says, praise him in the congregation. Ooh, meeting together is so important. So many times I hear people go, oh yeah, I I can praise Jesus on my own. Yeah, totally. In fact, I do it all the time. Um, a part of one of the other psalms I'd read said, "I praise him when you're lying down. Yeah, when you're in bed, absolutely you can praise him. But there's something so important that the Bible says to us that meeting together in a congregation of believers when we all worship as one is so important. It shows us that we're not alone in this. You know, worship, gathering to worship inspires us to seek God with more passion and more fervor than ever before. And it sets a culture of meeting with God together. The second thing, and this is a practical one, a super practical one. How should we praise? Well, verse three literally tells us, let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him. No, I don't want to hear that. Um, no, but in all seriousness, let us use our voices to declare the goodness of God over our lives. And with the tambourine and the lyre now, I know David really wants to get the lyre out. We don't have a lyre, but we've got a beautiful looking guitar. We've got a keyboard that plays some amazing sounds and we've got a drum. And there, there's another scripture that says, uh, Psalm 150 says, praise him with the clashing of cymbals. Now, thank God Ryan doesn't clash those cymbals, but he plays them so beautifully. But you get the point. See, the Bible has literally told us how we should praise God, and it should be out of an overflow of our hearts, you know? Good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. We are instructed to display an outward expression. 
And when we do these things, this is, a, this is the key I really want you to get here. We actually give people around us permission to do it as well. There's a reason why you'll, like, there's a twofold reason you'll find me down the front praising, raising my hands on my knees. It's not, it, number one is because I want to give honour to him. But number two, it's a good thing to do. And I hope that my worship is actually helping you focus your worship on him as well, you know. I always remember two things from when I was growing up in church. I always remember people being on their knees seeking God so fervently. And it was amazing. And I see that in our church as well. And it's so amazing. I used to love playing drums because I do get a look of everyone. And you see people just being so passionately worshipping him. But I also remember what I've also like, demonstrated to you before, where people would just stand there. And it's like, did God actually die for you? <laughs> See, people will judge the size of our God by the size of your worship, by the cost of your worship, by the sacrifice of praise. Because it is a sacrifice. It does cost you something. It does cost you something to lose those inhibitions, to go, oh, Actually, raising my hand is not a bad thing. Oh, I can, I don't know, do something to express the joy that hopefully is welled up inside you. It requires you to focus on, not on the things of this world, but on him. Because when your focus is on him, your focus is not down here on what's going around you. So to, fi- to finish off, I want to end with a little bit of a challenge. How will you respond to next week's call of worship? When whoever is worship leading comes up to the front and says, hey guys, come on in, we're going to start worshipping. Will it just be the same way that you approach worship week in, week out, where you walk in, you get fed and you walk out? Or will it be something that you actually sacrifice and say, God, here I am, I focus on you and you alone and I'm going to help people around me focus on you. Because we have a King of Kings who has done so much for us and we should be outwardly expressing our gratitude to him.